Blog Talk Radio. Blessings, blessings, and a gracious good afternoon to you all out there in radio land, cyberspace, on your tablet, on your phone, wherever you may be currently listening to the sound of my voice, I bid you adieu. Pray that God is is manifesting his grace and his might and his favor in your life at this current time. And if you feel that he's not, then I just encourage you to get in his presence, take some time, meditate on his word, give up some praise and some worship unto him, and I guarantee you he will meet you right where you are. This is the It's Real Radio talk show. I am your host, Elder Coilette James, and I am so grateful for this opportunity that God has afforded us to share for the next hour. We have... um, a topic that I don't think has been dealt with in the the same context as what we're going to deal with it today. Our topic today is processing grief. And I know a lot of people go to grief counselors and there are um, people that are well-educated and well-equipped to help you walk through your grief. But the one thing that we don't always discuss in the midst of our grief is the different components that may be involved in our grief. Um, I'm coming to you today from a place of sensitivity. Um, I'm prayerful even in the midst of this conversation that we will have today that God will be able to step into your situation and give healing and deliverance from whatever may be having you heavy of heart or keeping you bound. Um, this is in no way, please, please hear my heart, this this show today is in no way meant to say that your grief and what you're going through is not real and not warranted. Um, we all have processes in the midst of grieving um, over different areas of our lives. It's not always the grief of a loss of someone based on them passing or transitioning um, to somewhere other than this earth realm. But um, grief can come in so many different forms and because of so many different things. I believe that people that get divorced, um, be it husband and wives, or even in friendship, 
Um, sometimes we literally divorce each other in friendship. It may not be a legal piece of paper, but there is that separating of friends, and sometimes you've been lifelong friends, and that is a process of grief that we go through even in that um, sometimes our grief is because we have not had the relationship that we would have desired with our parents or with our siblings or with our children. So we grieve over that because we feel a sense of loss. That's basically what grief is, is that feeling that sense of loss. Um, and then there are those situations that we're going to kind of touch on as well today in where, you know, you're already, you, you do have a loved one and that loved one has passed on and, um, and you're grieving in a sense of loss. But in the midst of that, you know, things start to be uncovered and you find out different things about that person's life, um, possibly things that that person did to you or regarding you that you were unaware of, or maybe there were secrets that that person kept from you that you were unaware of. And now all of a sudden, you know, in the midst of your grieving, because that person is no longer with you, you go through that that sense of, uh, oh, my God, they did what? You know, so now you, you've got double grief because now you've got the grief and the sense of losing that individual out of your life plus the coming to terms and coming to grips with whatever it was that that has now been exposed and uncovered because of that person's passing and that person no longer being able to keep the secret. So there's, there's many different aspects that we go through, even in the midst of going through our grief process. And, and that's where we're coming from on today. I, um, I'm talking from a place of, of um, current experience and grief. My uh, my father-in-law transitioned yesterday um, and went home to be with the Lord. And, and in the midst of that grief, there are things that, you know, I'm, I am mindful and cognizant of to help my husband through with him losing his father because they did not always have that great father-son relationship. So, you know, you have a lot of mixed emotions going there. Thank God they did, you know, rectify and, and come together before his dad's passing. But, you know, and even in, in this situation, my father-in-law was 91 years old and loved the Lord with all his heart. So, you know, um we as as children of the Most High God, a lot of times we don't grieve the way the world world grieves, and actually the Word of God teaches us that because we know that you know our loved one is now dancing in the bosom of God. You know, the Word of God said to be absent with the Father is, I mean, absent in the body is to be present with the Father. So, you know, we grieve in a different way. Do we have a sense of loss? Absolutely. You know, but at the same time, we rejoice in knowing that that person's life has now transitioned to another place. It's not that they, quote, unquote, have died in their spirit because their spirit is yet alive. Their physical being, that house, that 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 being that house their spirit has now deceased and is no longer functional. But the spirit of that individual we know is well alive and, and is, as we said, um, with the Father. And then there are the times of grief where there is that uncertainty. And so that adds, especially as a child of God, that would add and compound to your grief if you don't know where your loved one went. Maybe your loved one 
Maybe your loved one was someone that rejected the gospel, rejected God, and decided that they wanted to live their life the way they wanted to live it, and and nothing that anybody else had to say to them would they accept, and they just they decided they didn't. God, of you know, fool says in his heart there is no God, and then so then when they pass on, then there's another kind of grief that you go through because that sense of oh my God, <laughs> you know, where are they? Where are they? You know, so grief can come from so many different places and in so many different ways um, that we're not always akin to or we don't always understand. So uh, this is, you know, where I'm coming from. This is um, this is the the gist of the show today. Just that there are so many different places of grief and so many different things that have to be contended with in the midst of our grief. And how do we process all of these different components? Amen. So I I called um, my brother and my sister. Um, my dear, dear friends, Apostle Paul and Lady Keisha Greenleaf, and, you know, we, we have a thing between us that we, we say we got it like that. So I was able to call them 40 minutes before we were ready to go on air and ask them to come on air with me because I happen to know that between the two of them, the majority of everything that I have just said, they've experienced. Okay, they walk through all those different places of grief in some areas of their lives. So I wanted them to come on and to help me articulate and to help get you to a place of deliverance and healing in God because of all the things that you have had to process during your grief, your, your, your times of grief. Um, unfortunately, normally we have multiple times of grief in our life. So with that being said, welcome to the show, my brother and my sister. Are you? Oh, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> well, I, I, I just want to say from what you just um, exposed about grief, Grief is real. <laughs> Grief is real, and um, I, I, I just enjoy. Excuse me. I just enjoyed how you how you put it all together about grief because, you know, a lot of us will try to hide grief. We'll try to sweep mm-hmm. it under the cover. We'll try to mm-hmm. walk away from it. We'll try to act yeah. like it's not even there, and that's how a lot of people. Some people will deal with grief. They act like it's not there, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's not good for your 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 body, your your spirit, and your Amen. mind. And um, it, it it continuously grows, and it it just festers. And then that's why you find a lot of people that one they don't let grief happen. That they have to end up going to the psychiatrist or psychologist or to the doctor because mm-hmm. they haven't all the sickness come through their body and they don't understand why. It gets to mm-hmm. that point and it becomes unfortunate. So I'm sorry, honey, were you going to say something? Mm-mm. I, when she said, How are you? We said at the same time, We're great. Amen. We are. Amen. Amen. But you are so right, Lady Keisha, um, because anything that we internalize and we hold within has an adverse physical effect on us. And a lot of times we don't realize that. You know, Mm -hmm. there are scientific studies that have documented that 
forms of cancer have developed in people's bodies because of unforgiveness, because of rage, because of anger that they've allowed to manifest in their body or stress. Stress is a number one killer with hypertension and high blood pressure and it affects your heart. And all of these things that we internalize can literally cause us to check out of this earth realm premature. Uh-huh. Premature. You know, the word says that it is accounted all to all of us once to die. But there is there is a season that some of us go through that if we're not careful and cautious, we will allow the affairs and the cares of this world to take us out prematurely before we have accomplished that which God has created us to to do. So that is very, very true. Very, very true. So Apostle Paul. Um, I'm going to kind of put you out there and put you on the spot for a minute. As we talked about grief um, as it pertains to the loss of the fulfillment of a parent, the fulfillment of that affirmation that your father should have given you or, you know, the feeling of that closeness or that per- that protection or that nurturing that a mother should give you and that also is a form of grief can you can you speak on that to our well, listeners you punch me so- in the stomach tonight huh <laughs> <laughs> I love you I love you too. But see, you know, that's why I called you guys because I know I wanted to come from so many different areas and because because I know you and because I know the things that you walk through, but I thank God for for you your openness and your allowing God to come in and heal these areas in your life so that you can be a minister unto others that may be feeling that sense of grief right now. Mm. Um and I I, I it was funny cuz you had one thing in mind, and I was thinking the Lord was telling me about something else that, um, if it's okay with you, that we really don't talk about as far as grief. And when that comes to sexual harassment and, and molestation, people don't realize that people really grieve through that, and it is a real process. It's, it's a real process. But I'll answer the question that you want me to answer first. Um, okay. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah, what was that? I knew it. The question was dealing with grief from the sense of not feeling the affirmation of a father or the nurturing of a mother, feeling that you lost that that mm. fundamental part of growing up that most people take for granted that have it. Wow. Uh, ooh, Jesus, help me. Um, well, see, uh, <laughs> can y'all believe I'm at a loss for words? No, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> the guy can hear the crickets. <laughs> uh, yeah, where do I start? Uh, my mother, um, and actually, we're kind of getting along, I just kind of deal with her now because it's it's like the old saying and. Uh, those that are listening on the air, I'm not calling my mother a dog. Amen. But you, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Amen. <laughs> and for years I've been trying to teach my mother new tricks on how to get along with me, how to, you know, you, you know what I'm saying, Colette. You, you've heard the mm-hmm. stories, you've mm-hmm. ministered to me, and you've told me to 
pull up my big boy pants and put on the straps. Yep. And basically, that's and I what met I, your mother. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you liked her. <laughs> I did. It was like Sally oh, Field. Cool. You like? You really liked cool. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mikey. Um, I mean, see, what I've come to find out and what I've learned with lots of prayer, lots of listening to very close friends, is that my mother had issues too. And that's something that we yeah. tend to forget. Grief comes from issues, and grief can um, spawn issues. Mm hmm. Okay, and my mother's grief just happened to spawn onto me being her only child, her uh, son, okay, a male figure. Biracial child. A biracial child dealing with all of that. And, and it took me some growing to realize, okay, it's not her. It's the things that she's gone through. But yet, with the turning point of her realizing, okay, this isn't fair to me to do to my child. But I had to look at things, and, and it was funny, just recently Keisha and I were talking about that, that I realized in my thought processing and God dealing with me that my mother had issues with her mother. And mm. thinking about the stories that she had told me that she did not get along with her mother, she didn't feel that her mother loved her, uh, the only time that she got close with her mother was when she was brushing her hair. And I began to really think about that and say, the closeness that I had with my grandmother was way beyond what I had with my mother. And I began to think about it, well, wow, maybe my mother treats me the way that she does is because she was jealous of me and my grandmother's love and connection that we had. Mm. Wow. And I never thought about it that way. I was like, wow, okay, my mother did not get the love from her mother that I got from her mother, and that caused her grief, which caused me grief, because mm -hmm. her grief, mm -hmm. like I said, her grief spawned grief onto her own child, so it's like a generational curse kind of thing, basically, mm -hmm. um, if, if you want to look at it in that process, and that's how I begin to get over my grief and, and process okay, wait a minute, there's got to be something deeper to this because I know my mother loves yes. me. I, I can say without a shadow of a doubt. And I begin to process it and ask God to help me process it. What is this God that we just can't seem to connect? What is it? And I actually begin mm -hmm. to listen to what she would be saying, and it's something key I learned from my wife Begin to listen instead of talk. Listen. And you hear so much when you listen. And I've been surprised. You yes. do hear so much when you listen. Um, yes. So Paul has learned to listen sometimes. <laughs> I knew Keisha was going to say that's that. Very, that is vital, though, Paul, because and what, what makes it so important is you decided to trace the root of where it was coming from. Mm -hmm. And... So often we neglect to do that. I, I can relate to that with my own mother um, because my mother was not a nurturing person. I, I think I've shared this on the show before. I can only remember once in my entire life hearing my mother tell me she loved me, but it was at a pivotal point in my life when I didn't love me, when she told mm. me that. 
So I didn't I didn't grow up with the the huggy kissy. You know what I'm saying? I grew up. My mother was older. Um, they she was like I think 45 already when they adopted me. So you know, and I was only two months old. So I had an older mother. Um, and very direct, <laughs> you know, no filter <laughs> whatsoever. Um, but I had to get to a point, and I was like you, Paul, I never, ever doubted my mother's love. And this is honest to God true. No matter what we went through, and we had some really, really, really bad years, but I never, ever doubted her love. In fact, one of the things I used to say was that she loved me too much. She needed to let me go, you know, because that control factor was overbearing. And because of me being such a strong-willed individual, I was not easily controllable. (laughs) So, therefore, we were batting, you know, bumping heads left and right. You name it, we were in it. (laughs) Okay. But... I never, you had to learn to trace that root. And, it, and it's funny, you said that just recently you and Keisha was talking. I had to be um, probably, oh, I don't know, in my 40s before I really decided to, to open my eyes and trace the root of understanding, even though my mother had told me the stories of her upbringing, but I did not connect the dots yeah, in the fact that the she grew didn't up. Didn't hear it I didn't want to hear because of your grief. I didn't connect the dots. You know, I think the problem was that, you know, it just, sometimes we have epiphanies, you know, that that all of a sudden a light bulb goes off and you'd be like, dang, that's it. You know, my mother grew up in a very abusive household. My grandfather used to beat my grandmother every weekend. Every weekend he would get paid and he would get drunk and come home and jump on my grandmother. So she didn't grow up in a loving, nurturing home. In fact, she told me a story where, you know, she actually cold-cocked her father with a rolling pin because he was jumping on her mother. I mean, so it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's like when you trace back, sometimes you can, it, it does not excuse what you feel you've lost, but it helps you to understand, and understanding will help you process that grief. It, it it just it's like it gives you a whole different perspective, you know. You know what you have felt. You know what you felt you lost. But when you turn it and you kind of get a greater understanding of, well, it really wasn't like you just said, Paul. It, it it may have just been a jealousy factor, and it wasn't that she wanted to be jealous of you. You were her child, but she was grieving because she didn't receive the love she thought she should have got from her mother. But all of a sudden, you're getting it. Well, how can you get it? And she didn't give it to me. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, and it 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 does. It spirals, and then sometimes it does pass down to gener from generation to generation, mm-hmm. and and it's it's. It, it can really, really destroy a person's life if they don't take the time to get in the presence of God and allow God to commence healing. Keisha, I want you to touch on, because I know you just recently lost someone really dear to you. And in the midst of losing that person, you are now uncovering situations and finding out things that you had no knowledge of when that person was alive. But in the midst of grieving and, and, and hurting because that person is not here any longer, you now have to come to terms with situations that you didn't even know existed until that person was gone. How are you walking through that process? Because I happen to know you are still in your process. 
<laughs> well, l- let me ask you this. Do you have more than an hour show? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting here, and, I mean, it's, it hit me, and I've been thinking about it. However, I mean, you know, when you think about generations and how generations treated generations back in the day, the elders always said, as we remember, the elders said, oh, you need to get out of grown folks' conversations mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. They always told us that. Mm-hmm. You need to get out of grown folks' conversations. Okay, and they send you to another room, but you're still there at the door trying to listen. My great-grandmother was a, a, a mean person. She she had her faults. She could be sweet and she could be mean. She raised my aunt. And in the process, when my great-grandfather passed away, my great-grandfather back years ago when my grandmother was little inherited all of this property down in North Carolina. Well, my great-grandmother always said, well, Gaston, which was my great-grandfather's name, is dead, and he left all of it to me. Well, in the process, she took the property, and she she went to the lawyer, and she put it in, if something was to happen to her, it was in my mother and my grandmother's name. There was no property left to my aunt. Now, since my aunt has passed, I found out some things about one particular piece of property that was left after all of it was sold or given away by my great-grandmother, that they should have contacted me because I was still my mother's child, and even my grandmother's child, because you have to understand, my grandparents on my mother's side adopted me, so legally that made me my grandmother and grandfather's daughter too, which they had my mother and they had my aunt. So anything that come to my mother or even anything that came to my grandmother, I was still part of that too. So I found out mm-hmm. property was, there was one piece of property, but guess nobody did any deed searches or any searches to find out if there was anybody left. Somebody went and changed the name on the property and said that they were the only child left living and they got the property under their name and their husband's name and left me uh, out in the dark until she passed away. And I was I was shocked. And then on the other hand, my cousin, when she came from New Jersey for the funeral, she kept going <laughs> through the house, going through it. And see, this is how God works. I love the way God works. When when you think you you got things hidden behind you know closed doors and everything, my cousin kept asking me, "Oh, has has your has um?" She kept saying, "Did Stuart find the will?" Well, Stuart is my brother. Did Stuart find the will? Did Stuart find the will? I said, "No, he hadn't really been looking for it. He hadn't really been worried about it because he knows that he inherited everything from my aunt." Well, she just happened to be in California and she got Malby a couple of weeks ago, and she was walking down to San Francisco. <laughs> and she says to me, she says, well, did Stuart find the will yet? I said, no, he hadn't been over here except a couple of times to bring the baby. And she says, well, she said, I was supposed to be the overseer of the will. 
and we already knew that. But see, the thing about it is she had never said anything that she was so-called the overseer of the will. It was supposed to be that if something was to happen to my brother before, you know, after my aunt passed away, then she would inherit everything. And this is a cousin. I'm my aunt's only blood-living niece. And it really bothered me, it, it, speaking about grief, it grieved my heart that my aunt wouldn't, would think more of my cousin than she would of me. But I've gotten over it. The The hurt is still there a little bit. The more I stay here, the more I think, you know, and I think back the way that my aunt and my mom grew up, it was a lot of jealousy. So my mom having me first, my aunt actually named me. My aunt was there when I was born. And I thought we were closer than that. However, sometimes when people pass away, you find out a lot of things. And I actually have to give this credit to who said this. My children's father said to me when his brother passed away back in 2011, he said, you never know what a person has done or what a person is mm-hmm. doing until they die. Mm-hmm. And right. that really that really stayed in my head. And then, the, you know, what, six years later, it happened to me. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, I really needed to hear that word years ago so I could, I guess God was preparing me for that six years later, that it was going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. So, so how it, are you it, processing all of this knowledge at this point in time? Because <laughs> this is still fresh for you. This is We're like just a few months into this for you. Yeah. How are you able to process? Because I know you were very grief-stricken when your aunt passed away because you guys were close. Now yes. that everything is, has been, is, is yet being exposed, how are you handling it? And, and let me just add this little bit of piece in the soup what a lot of people don't know. There was a separation that I don't even think you know about, Colette, for, I think, Hmm. almost three years. No. When we first moved to Florida, it was before that. It was before that. So I didn't start talking back to her until 2015. Yeah, there was was a separation. And actually, I'm, I'm not trying to put myself out there or anything. It took me calling her aunt, which... Her aunt and I weren't talking either to say, hey, you and Keisha need to start talking. You know, y'all are, y'all are family. This is your only living niece, da, 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 da. And she finally called Keisha for her birthday. But there were like four years or so that they did not talk. So they only really got the last, what? Three, four years of her life? Three years, yeah. Well, two years. Two years of her life to really bond again. And, I mean, you saw how she did when she came down for the renewing of the vows. I mean, she went all mm-hmm. out. So I, I just wanted to throw that up in the soup because I want, I want to hear how Keisha's dealing with that, processing that, too. I'd love putting my wife on the spot. No, I'm not on the spot. I don't feel like I'm on the spot. I take it one day at a time. Uh, there's days that I'm gonna get you when I get off this one. <laughs> there's days that I I cry still. Mm-hmm. There's days that mm-hmm. I I hurt. There's days that I grieve. I mean, we are living in her home that she that she worked really hard for, and her presence mm-hmm. is still here. 
I mean, nothing, I mean, my husband can tell you nothing in this house has been changed since she walked out the door the last time. And um, and my brother is, I think he's really finding it hard. You know, he'll come and he'll stay a few minutes and then he's out out the door. I think he's really finding it hard to to try to come in. And and we're kind of stuck in limbo because we don't know if he's going to plan on moving in here or if he's going to sell the house. We don't know. I mean, he's told me that he wanted to keep the house in in the family, but we still don't know. You know, it's, 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 it's his his wife's decision, bless you. Um, but I'm I'm taking it. That's all you can do. I, a lot of prayer. I come in in the room and I just lay and I pray. God, you know, only you can help me through this. You know, only you can mm-hmm. help me understand this. And you know, when He shows me things, I I accept it. I receive it. And Amen. I, I just Amen. take one day at a time. Have you found um, that when everything started uncovering, was there a sense of anger in the midst yes. of, you oh. know, the grief? Okay. Wow. I, I ain't going to hide it. I was angry. I was upset because, mm-hmm. you know. Don't get angry. I, I, I do. I, I mean, I've asked God to, you know, lighten my heart, lighten my spirit, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, help me get more understanding the reason why. And and he's, you know, in his time, he's showing me. He's showing all the things yeah. that I need to know in his time. You know, I, I might have wanted him to rush it and, and hurry up and show me the reason why this is happening. But no, I, mm-hmm. I've received the fact that it has to be in God's timing. And everything is is mm-hmm. more perfect when it's in God's timing, not in our timing. It's just like I said, when I found out my cousin, I kept wondering, and I kept saying it to my husband, I said, why does Tracy keep asking me about this stupid will? Why does she keep questioning me about it? Has Stuart found the will? Has Stuart found the will? And come to find out, I didn't even ask, ask, have to ask a thing. God rebuilt it in his time that she was mm-hmm. on the will, and she was, she knew she was on it. That's why she kept asking. I guess maybe she thought that Gina had left her some money or something. But I knew because my aunt and I had talked about it, everything was going to be left to my brother. But she didn't tell me the other part because I think she knew that if she would told me that I would get upset about it. I really feel that mm-hmm. that's what God was showing me. If she would have told me, well, I left Tracy as an overseer, you know, and I would have been like, well, why Tracy? I don't understand that Tracy is a cousin, not not a niece, not another nephew. You know, I'm mm-hmm. her niece by blood. My children are her nephews by blood. My grandchildren are her great nephews and niece by blood. Tracy, no, it's not the same. And so God had to expose it when he was ready to. And I kept asking God, God, you know, expose at your time. And he has, and I'm sure that there's going to be even much more that I didn't know that God is going to expose. Mm -hmm. And it might hurt me, but I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. I, I, I love the fact that you are transparent with God. And I think that is crucial in healing. You know, sometimes we're going through things and we're trying to save space, okay? So we don't want, you know, the world to see us sweat. We don't want them to know, you know, really how we feel. So, again, we go and we internalize things. 
and mm-hmm. we go before God, and and in I can't put it any other way. In sheer ignorance, <laughs> we think we can hide from God what it mm-hmm. is that we are feeling. You know, when God knows it all. He knows it all. I, I sit in church this morning, and and the song, the, the the praise team was singing the William Murphy song that, you know, I give my all to you, Lord. Just, you know, mm-hmm. I give you everything. And, and as I stood there and I had tears streaming down my eyes, and it was, it was like, Father, there is nothing that I could withhold from you that you don't already know. So I have no choice but to surrender all. That means uh-huh. all of my shortcomings. That means all of my failures. That means all of the things that I do that I wish I didn't do. That means, you know what I'm saying? That means every all single situation of my life, all uh-huh. of it, all my vices, all everything, everything. If I say I'm giving you my all, then it's all, <laughs> you know, it is everything because Every bit of it. And I think that's vital if we are going to get beyond our grief process of what what we feel was either done to us or not done for us or taken away from us. Now, Paul, you said something that the Lord had put in your heart to talk about, and that's the, the grief of molestation. And as I said at the top of the show, grief is loss. It is that mm-hmm. sense of loss. Anybody that has been molested, especially as a child, has a sense of loss because their innocence was taken from mm-hmm. them. They lost what was precious and what was vital. So you speak on that. I mean, if God placed that in your heart, please speak on how you've overcome the grief of that loss of your innocence and, and the grief of not of thinking that your mother didn't protect you. Because I happen to know, because I know you, you know, that that was part of, of your, you your issue, you know, it. in your process. <laughs> Oh, hey, you know what, if we're going to do this, you know us, we're going to do this, we're going to do it all the way. And and the reason being is in our transparency, we're able to help others because I promise you, sir, there are tens of thousands of people out there that have been molested and they feel that same way. My mother Mm -hmm. or my father did not protect me. And in their Mm -hmm. mind, they're saying, you knew and you didn't protect me. It's one thing mm-hmm. if they didn't know, you but you head. knew, and you didn't protect me. That's mm-hmm. it. You That's turned it. your head, so and you must be it. vulnerable. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. And, and to be honest, I, I've processed it, but the, the only way I've been able to process it with, and and honestly, to, to those that are listening, God does not always give you the answer. And that mm-hmm. is how I have really begun the process. Why did they not protect me? God has let me know. It's not for me to know at this time. Mm-hmm. And I just had to take that with a grain of salt. Like, okay. Wow. I mean, because I've asked him over and over and over. I've asked my mother, and every time I've asked her, it has just made me have to go through the process again with the anger, the resentment. Because you get a shoddy answer, though. I, I get a shoddy answer. So I stopped asking, and I began to ask God, and I just didn't get an answer. So to me, I was like, okay, it's not meant for me to know. So what do I do now with the not knowing? Give God and glory and honor and what he has transitioned me from all of that pain and look at it 
as, you know what, this is a story that I've got to tell. This is a story that I can't hold, that people over the years have told me to hold, keep your mouth shut. You don't want to share that story. And, no, baby, I'm not ragging on you. Amen. No, because you know what I said about it afterwards. Um, you know, because for years, even growing up in the church, I, I had to go through the transition of the 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 process uh, because if I spoke on it, I was talked about. Oh well, you're never gonna change. Mm-hmm. Da 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 da. So this mm-hmm. is a long road of still processing because there are times that things come up and people say, "Oh well, he's still gay," and there I go rolling mm-hmm. all over again. So it is a process. It is a grieving. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm going to share with you, it's a grief that never goes away, but you have to learn how to process it and deal with it because it's always mm. going to come up because it's something that's going to stay with you the rest of your life because someone violated you. And that's what happened. I was violated as a child. Now, I don't have to go through the same feelings that I went through that I go through now, the feelings that I go through now are like, okay, Lord, how do I deal with this? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not anger anymore. It's not sadness anymore. It's not I'm not um, worthy to be who I am anymore. Um, I can hold my head high now, you know, but it mm-hmm. was a long process. I can share mm-hmm. now and share and know mm-hmm. Somebody's going to receive something, be it a male, be it a female. It, and, and to be honest, what I've learned, rape has no name on it. Mm-mm. Molestation no, has no name on it. It does not have mm-hmm. male. It does not have female. It does not have gay. Mm-hmm. It does not have straight. The name that it has is violation of your body mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. of your mind, your soul, and your spirit. And that's you know what, what people that, don't that understand. Such, that's such an important point. Um, my apostle here in, in Atlanta has shared his testimony on being molested as a child, but he was molested by a woman. Mm. So he didn't become gay, but he became very promiscuous. Mm-hmm. His innocence was still taken away from him. Mm-hmm. He still went through, you know, the 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 longing and the yearning was heightened within his sexuality, um, be it though for still females, but yet and still it was heightened because of that violation. And and I and can guarantee you probably what he was looking for. I'm I'm sorry, I, I just got to so that's probably what he was looking for. I, I don't know his story, but I'm kind of sensing some of it. His parents weren't there for him either, and he was probably as growing up with the panic, how you say that word? Promiscuous. Yeah. I did the same thing, but what I was looking for was that father figure, that protection, that warmth of... Mm. I didn't understand it for a long time, but then I realized that it was the loss of not having my father to protect me because that's that's what a, a guy looks for, first of all, when something happens like that. Where, where's that father figure that's going to step in and be the, the strong, you know, mm-hmm. when when you're when you're weak? Mm-hmm. Where's the, okay, son, you, you man up kind of thing, 
You, you see what I'm saying? Right. I didn't have that. Right. And I didn't even have the mother. So I was seeking that when I was doing the things that I was doing, trying to get validation. And the mm-hmm. only reason I found that validation was I found God. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things Apostle says, though, is that, you know, in his coming to realize that he was still a, quote, unquote, victim of the molestation, mm-hmm. even though, you know, it was of a female nature and it drove him deeper into promiscuity, he still had to realize that, and he had to come to a realization that, you know, the same way that the gay man is out there and and we point fingers at the gay man and we talk about him because he's gay and, you know, and it's, it's dirty and all of that. We don't point fingers at the, this other young man that has still been violated, that still had his mm-hmm. innocence taken away from him, but just because it drove him to women even on a higher rate, we don't point the finger at him. And he said he had to come to that place of, you know what, we're kindred spirits and we both need healing and we both need deliverance and I feel your pain. I understand your pain. And a lot of times, you know, in our grief, we, we don't take the time to realize that we are not alone in our grief. And we, we tend, because we're hurting, we want to point the finger at somebody else. So that it makes us look less, less of a victim or look less of, you know, the, the product of what we've been through. And, and that, I believe, is also part of a negative grief um, recovery process. Because, you know, you look at – how many times – we see this on TV and in movies and stuff all the time, but this is real life. You know, you show up at your husband's funeral, and there's another wife and kids at the funeral, too, but you didn't know nothing about it. She didn't know nothing about you. That ain't going to happen. Thank you, Jesus. But, but no, oh, but you wow. hear me. Hear me. Yeah, this is real. real. You know, mm-hmm. and, and because all of your friends know you, and they're pointing the finger at her, she's a hussy, she's this, she's that. But she's just as much of a victim as you were because she didn't know about you. Mm -hmm. She didn't know about you and you didn't know about her. She didn't. There you go. So you know, and, oh, oh, because you were first. Because you were first, she is the woman. She's she's that that other person. She's she's the bad person. Exactly. No, no. You both are, you both were victims of the same individual, and you're walking through the same hurt and pain. And if you can come together then maybe you can help each other get through it because the person that you need to be looking at is that person that deceived and betrayed you both. Mm-hmm. And, on and the once other you hand, come to grips with that, God can come in and heal. I'm a, and I'm going to let you talk in just a moment, Lady Keisha, oh, yeah. but I'm, okay. I'm a firm believer that we have to come to that place where we recognize really what was going on. Okay, so number one, uh, I'm grieving because something was done. It was done to me or it was withheld from me. I'm grieving from that sense of loss, but I've got to come to the realization of, you know, what's the root of it? You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I'm like, seriously, my mother, my mother, I never saw my mother cry after my father died. I didn't. 
You know, she mm. sucked it up, I promise you. At the funeral, my, my father's funeral was standing room only. People were outside. We had it at the biggest church at that time on the west side in Las Vegas, and it was packed out. There were people literally standing outside, okay? Mm. And, and this was in 1964, and there was just as many white people in there as there was black people, mm-hmm. okay, seriously. This, it, was, it was a phenomenon. But I never saw my mother grieve. However, she grieved for years, and I didn't know it because I was a child and I couldn't see it. She allowed mm-hmm. people to come into her life that, that to, and I'm going to be honest, this, as a child, I'm like, this person is beneath you. Why are you dealing with this individual? You know, that's how I felt. Because this person didn't have the same standards and the standing that my father had. Okay, as far as how he treated my mother, I'm not talking about, you know, social standing. I'm talking because my father was an ordinary man. He was a presser and a cleaner, but because of his character, because of who he was as a man, he was so well respected. Okay, and it, 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 just, it just blew my mind as I look back. My mother was angry at God mm-hmm. because she used to say, God took the best husband I ever had. Now, my, my father was her third husband, her last husband, but her third, you know. So there was an anger. There was grieving. So even though I never saw the tears, there was a sense of loss within her. There was a void within her that never got filled. It never got filled. And she didn't let God come in and heal her heart. So for 20 years, they died 20 years apart. He died in 1964. She died in 1984. For 20 years, she carried this internal grief. And I was like you, Paul. I was the butt of it. So, you know, in her, in her drinking and in her anger and whatever, I was the, the, the punching bag, okay, to take all of this on. But I didn't understand it because I didn't understand grief process. I didn't understand that people lash out in their pain. Okay? So, you know, it's like I said, it is vital that if you're going to get past your grief, you recognize the root of your grief so that you can give your grief over to God and allow him to come in and heal that hurt and heal that pain. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lady Keisha. Oh no, you're fine. Uh, I just wanted to add to what you were talking about um, about the molestation and everything, and your your apostle there in Georgia. Um, you know how you were saying about it's dirty. You know, talking about homosexuality, but then on the other hand, when it's a man being raped by a woman, you know, he becomes promis- promiscuous. Okay, well mm-hmm. then. Then that's when it comes out. Oh, he just a player, player. He he get a name. He a player, player. Oh, he got it like that, mm-hmm. you know. And and mm-hmm. that's putting him mm-hmm. up, changing his hierarchy, putting him up on a pedestal because he's got all right. these women swooning over him. And then that's when his right. uh, his he becomes more, even more promiscuous. I can't even say it now. Promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Because he he's got this name that he's got to live up to. You know, he's living up right. to this name that people, this title, he's got this sense of entitlement because all the women mm-hmm. are calling him. And even the guys, the guys are putting him up there, too. Like, he's getting more than I'm getting, so, you know, i got to watch out and see what he's doing. It, it just, it, mm-hmm. but you've gone through the same exact thing uh, in a right. way. Right. You know, it's still, no matter how you look at it, it's still molestation, it's still rape. Yep. It's still violation. Yep. 
but you're just doing it yeah. on you know either on a, a gay perspective or a straight perspective. Right. That's just what I wanted to add right. in with that. And uh, I have something. Um, the the one thing I wanted to say that we we kind of touched on with with me was the the feeling of my parents not being there. I learned something. If you don't tell them, they're not going to know. And I know it's a hard thing for a child to think about telling because predators are very sneaky, cunning, and and slick. And the -hmm. thing that was constantly told to me was, you'll get in trouble, you'll get in trouble. But I'm saying this for those that are listening that, may think their child's going through it, or maybe they went through it and never said anything, say something. Don't be scared to say something, because that was my biggest downfall. I could have probably gotten out of it if I wasn't so scared. And these days Mm -hmm. we need to, even if there's a teen listening right now, I may go back and listen. Don't be scared to say something, because then what I learned is I need to put some of the blame on myself that I didn't speak up. And Mm -hmm. no, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's wrong not to, but it is, because guess what? Us being the... The the ones that are being affected, we need to learn to speak up. I mean, it's just like what's going on with all these women that have been, you know, that we're seeing on TV. They're speaking up now. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. think of the turmoil that you can lessen with speaking up sooner. That That's what I wish mm-hmm. I had spoken up sooner. So I've learned to take up on some of that blame, but with understanding of why I didn't. You got to have the understanding of knowing why too, but you've also got mm-hmm. to learn to. It, it, it's hard to describe what I've learned through all this process. There are times that I continued it that I could have stopped it. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I could have nipped it Absolutely. in the bud, but I let it continue. So that's my fault. I can't put that blame on anybody else, not on the person that was doing to it, doing it to me, because I allowed him to continue. Because mm. he had already he made was, a mark in your life. Yeah, he had already made a mark. But, see, we have a right to stop things that um, are affecting our lives. We really do. We mm-hmm. just didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't have anybody to let us know. And this is this is why I've had to go through what I've gone through so that I can be on calls like this and maybe just you never know somebody will hear, you know what, I can speak up. I can say no, yes. no more. You're not going to do this to me anymore. And, yes, I'm going to tell somebody. You know, the scripture that has come just dropped in my spirit as you were saying that is you have hello the protection and the covering because you, hello, can you hear me? You you kind of cut out for a second, so we missed a little of what you were saying. Okay. I said the the scripture that dropped into my spirit is you have not because you ask not. Mm. So (laughs) you did not have protection because you didn't ask for protection. You never allowed that protection to be there for you. You know, and a lot of times, you you know, people will say that have been molested, you should have known. How? Mm. If you've never walked this way before, how? Mm. You know? I mean, I know for myself, because my my uncle, 
tried to molest me when I was nine. And I didn't say anything because I didn't want my mother to go to jail because I really felt that she would shoot her because that was what she had always said. If anybody ever touched me, if anybody ever bothered me, she was not going to kill them, but she would blow all their lower extremities off. That was her word. So I believed her. You had to know my mother. I truly <laughs> believed her. <laughs> so so I didn't tell her. I fought him off, but I didn't tell her because of because of not fear for I'm going to get in trouble, fear for I won't have my mother, you know, and she was all I had, okay? But at the same time, um, I, you know, had had something really, you know, I knew some other things that were going on and I didn't speak on it. Again, you have not because you asked not. You, I did not speak up to say, well, I know he's doing it to my cousin. I know this is going on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad when you look back, you know, because like you said, you just, you know, if, if I tell that part, I got to tell it all. And if I tell it all, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's going to um, be consequences, so we, of course. There are. And, and I know there we got a few minutes. I'm just saying wanna... there's many reasons. There's many reasons a lot of times that we don't speak up. Fear being the number one. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know we only Rejection. got a few minutes. I want to throw this in real quick concerning my father. You know, um, something I learned in myself, back when I was born, Fathers were a lot more different, and it took me a long time to realize that. Fathers were not really hands-on with their kids. Mothers were. And I finally realized that, and I realized, you know what, my father had a lot on his plate, and I do thank God my, my father and I did get to get more of a relationship and my mother was actually jealous of that, and I began to realize that, too, because he would do things for me that she didn't want him to do because she didn't have them. Like, for example, it took me a long time to realize she never had a high school education, so she didn't want me to have one, and she blocked it. I mean, she went through, excuse the expression, hell and hot water to block me from getting any kind of education beyond what she got. She didn't want me to go to college. She didn't she didn't want me to succeed in business. I mean and that's when I begin to think out, oh, wait a minute, there's gotta be some kind of jealousy here. And I begin to put the pieces together. But um my father, I, I had to realize he just he was that typical I pay the bills, I buy the food you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there when you need a spanking. Yeah, there when you need a spanking, you know, and and the thing that I dealt with was, you know what, I had to learn at least he made sure I was taken care of. Yeah, I might have saw that he spent a lot of time with his other kids, but you know what I come to realize? I wasn't there when he was moving, so I really don't know what he was doing. And that's mm-hmm. what I had to begin to think about in my head. Well, wait a minute. I wasn't there, so I don't know if he was at games with them. I, I don't know if he did this or that. I mean, and I've mm-hmm. learned over the years that they lied a lot, so a lot of the things that they were teasing mm-hmm. me about could have been not real. They so, might have been so. jealous of you. Exactly. You never know. They might. I was have been an outsider to them, and they were an outsider to me. Yeah. Well, we have come down to the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for coming on and being 
willing to be transparent and, and bear some of your scars. My desire in doing this show is a, a hope that if you are listening and you are going through a grief process, no matter what has caused that, that grief, that you will, above all else, open yourself up to the Father, open your heart up to him so that he can heal. Even though, as, as Apostle Paul said, some griefs, you, you, they're there. It's part of your, your being. Some things you don't fully get over, but you still can get healed from them and delivered from them so that they don't continue to be a hindrance in your life or cause you to go down a wrong path. So my desire is that in your listening that you understand you are not alone that it is a process. As Lady Keisha said, she's still processing and she's doing it one day at a time. Allow the process to happen, but above all, allow God to be your strength and your comforter and your healer in the midst of the process that you must go through. We give God all the praise, glory, and honor for just having this discussion and being able, hopefully, to be transparent with you so that you can get past the grief, not necessarily get over the individual, but get past the grief so that you can be used mightily of the Lord and to him be the glory. Thank you so, so very much, my brother and sister, for coming on and sharing with us. I love you so much. Thank you. We love you more. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now, um, give out a shout out. Yes, always real talk with me. You know that. Um, Give a shout out to your new radio station so the listeners know where to find you these days. Amen. Um, Not actually new, but we have reformatted it so that uh, everybody can enjoy it. And what we're doing now is we're working with all emerging artists. Amen. Uh, For those that don't know what an emerging artist is, that's someone that's working on their own. We're bringing lots of new programming. Uh, We have some programming coming in directly from uh, the U.K. Uh, Of course, our dear sister is on there. She's going to be back on there broadcasting uh, her show. Amen. Uh, It's Real Talk. You can catch that every Thursday at 7 p.m., And we are now called Sensational Sounds Radio. Amen. And you can find us at SensationalSoundsRadio.com. 24-7, playing the sounds of music that are smooth for your soul, your mind, and your spirit at the beat of your heart. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. We thank God for his favor upon your life and for the new um uh, release, okay, of your of of the call of God on your life. We thank God for it. Well, we love you, love you, love you with the love of Christ. Have an incredible week. Um, I probably will not be with you next Sunday as my father-in-law's home going will be on Saturday, and I'll be probably in transit on Sunday coming back to Atlanta. But all of you have a blessed, blessed week, and just remember to trust and hold on to God's unchanging hand in the midst of whatever it is that you're encountering and going through and knowing that he is your comforter in Jesus' name. God bless. God bless. God bless. Let's keep it real